I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 307. And y'all, it's fucking freezing in Carrie's house. It ain't that cold. I said, y'all don't have the heater on? And she said, no, we have the air on. It, but it's nothing's running. Oh. Y'all are so tired of our weather updates. Her nips were pretty hard when she came <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I don't know how, but I ended up on the work from home TikTok. Okay. And I very much do not work from home. But with all these damn bridges closing around us and the interstate is having construction, I'm over my damn drive to and from work. Okay. So I'm like, oh, okay. Work from home. Tiki talkie. I ain't leaving my job. But still, it just you know, it's just like, oh, one can dream. But my question is, the fuck do y'all do all day at work? Like, I know my day. I have patients come see me. I treat them. I know your day. Customers call in with like, issues and shit you're handling that but people who just work in business like you just got a business degree you work for like all those companies that say they have all these projects going on the fuck do you do in a day lots of emails lots of phone calls but about what the project but what are these projects everything but like what oh my gosh like i need concrete examples of people's day like i do not understand the business world at all like, I know. Do you know how many emails I probably get a day? Five. One of them's what the cafeteria is having. <laughs> One of them is our newsletter once a month. Two or three of them is if I've ordered products for the office. Like, oh, your insoles are on the way. Or, ooh, <laughs> we got you some TheraBand coming in. That's it. Yeah. Sometimes I get, like, recruiter emails. Yeah, but yours isn't email-based. Yeah, I don't understand. But it's, okay, so... We have a team that isn't support, but they're in support. They're not customer facing, but they have meetings all day. They What the fuck do you talk about in but these I'm meetings? I'm going to tell you, ma'am. Okay. I just don't understand the business world. Good Lord. But they talk about how, like, they look at the metrics and what we need assistance with. So it's like, okay, if they're having, like, longer conversations about this, they need better articles with this. And so then they meet about that over you know like go over that write the articles publish it then like educate us about it or whatever so it's like a lot of that is behind the scenes yeah i just don't get it like, oh i feel like God. one person could do that why you gotta have a meeting about that but like oh metrics okay yeah donna spent a lot of time talking about pot all right we're gonna write an article about this you're oversimplifying things. no i know no 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 i know but i mean like that's where like yeah you're just and you're not a work from home person I really want to be, but, You're I, not. but I know I'm not a self-starter in that way. Like, I have to work in, like, an outpatient-based or, like, an inpatient rehab where I have a schedule. Yeah. When I worked in hospitals, I could spend the first two hours of my day just, I mean, I would know what year they had their tonsillectomy when they were three. <laughs> like, I could go in some deep dives in these yeah. people's lives. And it's like, oh, I just spent two hours on nothing that matters. Got to yeah. go up and see people. But you are a self-starter, just not disciplined. That's your thing. Naps do be napping. Like, if you just sat in an office all day, you would, one, your soul would hurt because that's just not who you are. But two, Candy Crush would be crushing. Yeah. And Amazon would be shopping. And, like, you know what I mean? And, like, because you are, I'm impulsive as fuck in, like, well, everything but you are very impulsive and like, oh, I want to do this. I'm going to go on here and get this real quick. I.e. today. You know what? Don't come at me, ma'am. <laughs> I was like, what's she talking about? 
<laughs> a headband. Two. Two. <laughs> you know, Mardi Gras coming up and so is Valentine's and your girl needed a headband because I don't wash my hair. <laughs> and the headband for Valentine's Day came with dangly earrings that are the little sweetheart earrings. Mm-hmm. They were cute. Oh, God. Anyway, but I mean, I miss working at an office sometimes just because, you know, like I could go to the break room with someone, like walk to the bathroom with someone and talk yeah. to them or, you know, do whatever. But honestly, like now it's just easy to converse anyway. And I don't have to put a bra on half the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do know, like during my residency, when we wouldn't have to go into the office because we had to teach late that night. Like we had to teach the night class. And so we wouldn't have to go into the office until like 11 or 12. So you could like do stuff from home that morning. I didn't do stuff from home <laughs> this morning. Yeah. I watched, what was that? Anna Queen of Scots? What was that show that she was the, it was like a freeform type show. Oh, yeah. Mary Rain. Yeah. It's like, Anna Queen of Scots does not no. sound right. Rain. Rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched that. I was like, you got Anna Green Gables or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, I don't. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I did. I merged it. Well, the House of Seven Gables is in Salem, and that that's is true. where I was. That's very true. Maybe that's why I did that. Uh-huh. There are also these TikToks that I've really been into, which I know this is kind of an old thing, but they make cakes, and they put them out, and you have to guess if it's real or it's fake. Mm-hmm. And I know that's kind of an old thing, but there's... This- I was going to say, there's even a Netflix yeah, 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 special yeah. about that. But this one girl that I've been watching, and I'm like, first of all, you spend hours making these cakes and then you make a minute and a half tiktok and show us like four of them just you cutting them you know and i'm like that is so much work to make such a small video you know yeah so it really does make you appreciate the effort that they put in to make these videos but my coworker megan and i were watching it at lunch today and i was like please watch this video because the first one is a coconut and Megan was like, there's no way that's not a coconut. Like, that is a real, co- there's no fucking way. <laughs> and that bitch sliced through it like a piece of cake, because it was. <laughs> like, she was like, how'd they get the fur? I'm like, that looks so much like a coconut. Yeah. Well, it made me want to bake a cake tonight, because we have this grocery store here called Corner Market, and in their app, every so often you get something free when you spend like five bucks. Well, we got a cake. Like, the mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I remembered it and then got some icing at Dollar General one day. Forgot that I usually use two tubs of icing because I make a two-tier cake out of it because those are the only pans I have. So I made the cake tonight and tried icing it. It was a disaster. And that friend said, I thought you were going to try to make a coconut. And I was like, this was me trying to make a coconut. <laughs> I didn't let it cool enough. And so the cake was like rolling up in the icing. as I, And so then I melted the icing in the microwave, melted too much. I was like, this a baker i am not you know why because the rules are too meticulous you can't play with baking rules you put too much salt you put too much flour you put too much sugar like it completely changes like a cookie you know like the appearance of it completely changes Mm -mm. i need something where like a pinch and a dash i can do a a handful and a tablespoon (laughs) and it not screw it up yeah i am a two adhd to be baking so I watch people make cakes, but not cut into them like that. But there's this one, and it's so funny, and it's so random, but she says it's piping hot goss because she's, like, piping the cake for yeah. it. But so she's making the cake, but while she's doing that, she's talking about, like, a random, like, friend who had, like, a one-night stand, and it was messy or something. But, like, she doesn't, like, say their names yeah. or anything. 
But it's just like those like fun little like quippy yeah. stories or whatever. And I get to watch her do the cake. I'm I like, love oh. watching a cake being like frosted. Also, I have binged Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I had seen the first two seasons. And the third season I started and I was so pissed at Jen Shaw with her like stealing money from the elderly that it pissed me off. And I was like, oh, I don't even want to watch the season. Because she's like, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. Flash forward to the season's over and she pleads guilty. But everybody started talking about season four and how good season four is. And I was like, well, I got to watch three to get to four because it's mostly the same cast. But like, you know, you want to know the goings on. So, you know, y'all, I binge watched those in like two weekends. I was an actual sloth last Sunday. Like, I got in the car Monday morning to go to work and was late because I had to get gas because I forgot I needed to get gas because I didn't go anywhere on Sunday. I watched almost the whole fourth season on Sunday. It's good, though. If y'all are into Real Housewives, don't sleep on Salt Lake City because the first two seasons were meh, but they get good. Don't sleep on them. I only keep up with Orange County, and even then, like, not all the time. Yeah, Orange County kind of has taken a turn a little bit, I think. One, I didn't know if I was going to like the new New York because they completely changed the cast. So if you're like, you know, where do I start? Well, I mean, obviously, you got to start from the beginning with every season. But the New York changed this past season. So if you're like, I want to pick up with new people, that's the way to go. Mm, Speaking of new people. Patreoners. Thank you so much, Lisa S. from Arizona. Mia P. from California. And Kate S. from Georgia. Thank y'all so much for joining Patreon. Y'all, they are getting all the good good over there. I'm talking a backlog a mile long of old episodes and old little parts from different episodes that we call extra slices. I mean, the whole shebang. So if y'all want all this good good, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Also, like asterisk this side note, if you haven't received your thank you letter, it's because the company we order from they apparently lost our shipment of oh. stuff. So <laughs> not me not knowing this. <laughs> Donna does the thank you letters if y'all haven't gathered. <laughs> like I literally guess. But I was like waiting for them because it's for stickers. Yeah. And I was like, God, am I impatient? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, no, they had lost them. So now they're in the mail. So once we get those, we'll be sending out your thank you letters because they are ready other than the innards. Yeah. Well, our post office box did us fucking dirty recently, too, because y'all know we don't check that shit like we should. Look, we specifically got a post office box at this location because I was like, it'd be perfect. It's not. It's terrible. But they do open, stay open late on Saturday. So it is good for that. But anyway, so I always forget to go check it. So it had been a little bit since we checked it. It was not the longest it had ever been. And we go check it because Creep Mom is like, hey, you have a package there. You need to go check it. So it has a little slip saying it's a large package. So I had to go to the people to get it. And she was like, when was the last time you checked your P.O. box? Because we had to send it back. And I was like, send it back? It's been like two weeks, a month tops, which I know is a long time. But we had a package the last time we checked it that our poor friend waited a long time for us to go get that package. And it did not get sent back. And this one did. And I'm so pissed. And that was a large package. A huge one. Yeah. I'm like, I don't understand why this one got sent back. Oh, it made me so mad. So we may be changing P.O. Box. I don't know yet. We had decided. (laughs) 
Well, before we get into Donna's story, we got to talk about Paired. Y'all, Colby and I have had so much fun with Paired. It is a relationship app for couples, but you don't have to be a romantic couple to do this. I know I talked a lot about like the fun things that Colby and I have gotten to know about each other. We've done quizzes like, ooh, one quiz that he had answers that surprised me was the phone sex win. Wait, what? Yeah, that he was more into it than I realized. Colby? Yeah, but he gets so excited when we take these like different little, not quizzes, but... Questionnaires? Yeah, and you have to say what you think, and then you have to say what you think your partner will say. When he gets more right than I do, he's like, I won. (laughs) So one was date night ideas and all that. It was just so much fun. But Donna and I did one, and y'all, it was... So funny. So there was one that was kind of one of those questionnaires that Colby gets so excited because I think I actually won this one. But Donna and I did it because, like I said, it doesn't have to be a romantic partner. There are prompts that are romantic, but you don't have to do those. So I'm going to give y'all three from this prompt and y'all tell us who y'all think would be the answer to this. So who is more likely to accidentally say love you when ending a professional phone call? We both said Donna. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's done it. It's, it's, yeah, that's happened. Okay. Who's more likely to spill their drink down their front? Carrie. 1,000%. Now, food, I am right there, but a drink, no. Okay. And this one, we'll see what y'all think. Leave the house wearing an item of clothing inside out. Carrie. 1,000%. <laughs> did it the other morning to breakfast. <laughs> I love the lightheartedness of that. And then again, there's deeper questions. Like the ones that we did today were about comforting each other. And do you feel like you're there for your partner when they need comforting and vice versa? And, you know, it was all about the ways that you will comfort each other. But I also like at the beginning, it'll tell you what the research shows on why they're asking those questions. Like it'll be like, You know, the research shows that couples who blah, 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 whatever the questions may be for that prompt, which I really appreciate. And I think it's a good way to open a line of communication that you might not even have known that was something that you needed or whatever. But it's a way instead of being like, I need you to do this for me because you're not doing it. That's not how you need to approach that situation. But with these prompts, that does give you that ability to have open communication and not necessarily in the heat of the moment too and i like that because on some of these how you answer it's how full or how empty a heart is and sometimes whenever i put an answer you like you can leave a discussion about that answer because it gives me a chance to kind of reflect on it and say this is why i feel this way it's really eye-opening and we've really enjoyed it and you get uh daily streaks answering questions so i am loving being like hey uh got my daily streak continued (laughs) oh so y'all are streaking now absolutely so whether you are just a few days in or you've been together for a long time it's time to lighten the mood and have fun with your partner using paired right now head to paired.com slash creep to get a seven-day free trial and 25 percent if you sign up for a subscription So again, that is paired.com slash creep, P-A-I-R-E-D dot com slash creep to sign up today. Connect with your partner every day using Paired. A happier relationship starts here. 
Head on over to paired.com slash creep to get a seven-day free trial. And if you sign up for a subscription, you're going to get 25% off. All right, don't get mad. Oh, God, get glad. (laughs) Not sponsored. (laughs) (laughs) I'm more of a Sam's brand myself, but... No, I do love glad. Like, that is one trash bag that, yep. I tried to do a Dollar General brand. Wasn't the same. Do y'all have shit like that that y'all just, like, the name brand, it... Hidden Valley Ranch and Craft Singles. Oh, yep. (laughs) (laughs) You get what you pay for, man. Yeah. With some things. With like, some things. Yeah. yeah. Other things, no. Yeah. I will use the Walmart brand of every other cheese, but I'm going to get Kraft Singles if I get, you know, the fake cheese. <laughs> For the fake cheese, I got to pay top price. <laughs> okay. But I am stepping into your pond a little bit. This bitch. So remember this story when you go to research because oh, you know God. she hadn't got a great track record. Yeah. Literally have done a story before. To go to do it for, it was for one of the bonus episodes. One of those, but no, one of these too. No, oh, no, 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 I know. But for sure though, the bonus episode, I was super excited about it. And you had done it on a main episode. Yeah. I was like, why are you doing my story? (laughs) Like, if you look it up, a lot of paranormal podcasts did that story too. (laughs) Like, it's not like I just took it and was like, I'm going to make this paranormal. (laughs) And apparently I'm just doing everything weird this episode because I'm going to start at the end and then work my way to the beginning. We're going to New York for this story, and this part of the story takes place at Covewood Lodge on Big Moose Lake in the Adirondacks. Look, I don't know why, but I cannot say that word right now. Also, I do not like those chairs. Me neither. You have to like lay back too much. You know I like a like a straight back. Look, I like to lean back. But if I'm in one of those chairs, I'm sitting by a fire, I want to be either sipping some wine, sipping some hot cocoa, sipping something, and I can't do that laying down. Yeah, like we're not, what, Grecian goddesses or anything, or Romans, whatever, the peeps that would just like lay and have the grapes. But okay, so some of the employees believe this place is haunted, and they were actually on Unsolved Mysteries to talk about it. So Rhonda was one of the employees who had an experience there. And I'm kind of imagining this like dirty dancing where the staff had their own lodges and their quarters, you know. Well, in 1988, Rhonda was walking up the stairs of her lodge and this was routine. She knew what she was doing. And Rhonda said she had her hand outstretched because she was going to feel for the string to pull and be like, let there be light, you know. Which I totally do because, like, if it's pitch black in my house, like, I have my arm out a little bit because I know, like, here's where this chair is going to be. So I'm going to, like, when I touch that chair, I know it could turn. Mm -hmm. So, like, I totally get it, Rhonda. But as soon as she reached the top of the stairs, she just had a feeling that someone else was right there. She said that overwhelming feeling made her stop dead in her tracks and she couldn't move. And she couldn't see anything because the light was still off, but she just knew someone else was there. And it wasn't like she was afraid, but it was more like she was shocked, kind of like deer in headlights. Turns out Rhonda was right. Someone was there, but it wasn't someone alive. It was a ghost. She couldn't see it. She could just sense the ghost. But three of her coworkers were outside and they all saw something. 
well, someone. And they said it looked like a woman and she just kind of lingered there and vanished. Now, after a few moments, Rhonda was able to, you know, compose herself, turn on the light, look around, and no one was there, obviously. But when her friends came from outside, they were talking about what they've seen. And Rhonda was like, oh my God, yes, like I was feeling something right here. And it was exactly where they had seen that ghost. Now, another employee, Linda, she had an interaction with the ghost too. And she said, listen. (laughs) This was a couple of months after Rhonda's encounter. Now, Linda was walking down to the lake and she said that her flashlight that she was using just kept getting dimmer with each stride. And, you know, it's like, wait, is this flashlight not as bright as it was a second ago? Like, are my eyes playing tricks on me? Whatever. But by the time that she was at the edge of the lake, Linda's flashlight wasn't working at all. So she turned around and walked slowly back up because she didn't trust herself along the edge of the lake because there was a lot of rocks. Fill that. (laughs) Right. And that could have just been batteries, you know, like, okay, what else? But Linda said that her watch and her camera stopped working all at the same time. Now, later, her and her friend Bridget had returned to the lake and they were in like a gazebo kind of overlooking the lake. And that's when they saw a woman appear out of the mist from the lake. Linda said that she was overwhelmed with the feeling of sadness and loss. And where this female spirit appeared, like they knew a human could not have been there. Like, oh, you just casually walking on water, Jesus? Now, guests at the Covewood Lodge have stated that they've seen a man and a woman in a boat heard a scream, and they'll rush over to see what's happening. But the boat, the people, they're nowhere to be seen. Now, other guests say that if they're in the lobby and, you know, when it's basically deserted at night, they've seen a woman who was in old-fashioned clothing standing by the staircase. And then they only see her for a split second, but the cold chill in the air just lingers for a bit after she's vanished. And there's other things that employees say, like she loves to turn on and off lights, just like Linda experienced, but this is inside different cabins. Now, one guest, Jim Dunning, he was basically doing like a polar plunge by himself in the morning at Big Moose Lake in 1999. He was partying like it was 1999. But he was going to do a little swim right when the water was still chilly because it's like 6 a.m., And he said that he noticed a single wet footprint and it was small, but it was human. And it was leading away from the lake and up on the steps to the dock. And he noticed it and was like, what the fuck, you know? But then he remembered the tales of a lady in white, a ghostly woman of the lake. And he said all the hair on his neck stood up and he was like, oh my God, like, Also, how did they only have one footprint? Like, it just seemed like she vanished, right, while she was stepping up the dock. Also, something happens every year on July 11th. Phantom screams, like blood-curdling screams, will echo out from around Big Moose Lake. So with all these sightings, and especially on the day the screams are heard, they make everyone attribute this phantom lady of Covewood Lodge as being Grace Brown. So who's Grace Brown? And why would she haunt the Covewood Lodge? 
Grace May Brown was born March 20th, 1886 in Ostelic, New York. I hope I'm saying that town right. You're not. Probably not. I have no idea. (laughs) No, Ostelic. Ostelic? I don't fucking know. Ostelic. I should have looked this up, but I didn't. (laughs) No excuse, I didn't. So she was the fifth of nine children. Her parents owned and operated a dairy farm, and they were successful, but not rich, but they were successful. Grace graduated from school when she was 16, and she knew farm life wasn't for her. Like, her school was like that one-room schoolhouse that I talked about that, like, was fake haunted or whatever. Like, that's what she grew up with, and she's like, I'm just determined to do something different of myself. So fast forward two years, and so it's 1904, and Grace is now 18, so she moved to the city of Cortland, New York. And Grace was, by all accounts, very pretty with dark brown hair, bluish-gray eyes, and everyone said she had a nice figure. But she really did want to be something other than just, like, a country mouse from a farm, so she found work at a factory, and it was the Gillette Skirt Factory, where she was a fabric cutter. Now, while she was there, she caught the eye of Chester Gillette. Now, his uncle was the one who owned the factory. So a little bit about Chester. He was born April 9th, 1882 in Montana, but he lived in Washington for a lot of his childhood. Chester's family was very religious and they were like very well off. But at one point they were like, all right, we're giving up all of our worldly materials and all of our assets, and they joined the Salvation Army. So they did a lot of missionary trips and such. So that meant they were, you know, like very cultured by other people's standards because in rural New York, no one left really. And they had traveled everywhere, even just like bigger cities like San Francisco and, you know, across the freaking United States to these people. And So it was just a big to-do. And that just made the allure of Chester even more mysterious, you know, and all the things. And this just piqued the interest of Grace even more because he had done things that she could only dream of doing. We see where this is going. This is like Cinderella, Romeo and Juliet, all the stories we know, love, and end in heartbreak. Well, Cinderella didn't, but you know what I mean? Like, I mean, let's be honest. He didn't recognize her. (laughs) So in 1905, Chester became the factory manager, and that's where he met Grace. Now, Chester was 23, charming, handsome, and he came from a good, wholesome family. So he was like the ideal man for Grace. So they started having a relationship. But, you know, they had to keep it secret because... He was basically her manager. So Grace rented a room from a local woman who had promised her parents, you know, Grace would be chaperoned and remain a lady. But apparently that woman was doing her own thing. And well, lovers are going to love. So Chester would sneak in a lot and they were definitely not supervised. Now, because they had to keep this a secret... That meant no going out together, and he had to keep his appearance in, you know, high society, so he had to mingle with other women and whatnot while out doing fancy things. Well, at one of these little social events, he met Harriet Benedict. 
Now, she was the daughter of a local lawyer, and her family was very well off. So Harriet and Chester were kind of a thing. But remember, no labels, because he was kind of a playboy and all that jazz. But the thing is, remember, Chester's family, like his immediate family, gave away all of their money and shit for Jesus, basically. And he's not inheriting anything. And just because his rich uncle gave him a job and like, you know, letting him like use the family name to do all the things, that didn't mean he was getting anything from his uncle either. So Harriet was kind of like a bankroll for Chester. However, he still wanted Grace too. So he would sneak over to Grace's place at least twice a week. So he was totally breadcrumbing her along and been their girl. But it didn't matter that he was only giving her the crumbs because she ended up getting a bun in the oven. Knew that was coming. I said, yep, pregnant. (laughs) You wrote that down. Yes. Like there was ever any confusion. I know. This was about two years into their situationship. So Chester was like, hey, don't worry. I will pay for an abortion. No one has to know. Because the rich always going to get their shit taken care of. Mm -hmm. Us little peons may not and may die from birth complications and all that other shit. But the rich going to get their shit taken care of. Yes. And it's fucking stupid that this happened in 1827. (laughs) And we're still fucking talking about this bullshit in 2024. Preach, girl. Fucking preach. So Grace was like, no, I don't want to get an abortion. And she was holding out thinking that Chester would marry her. However, you know, Grace couldn't be seen in public with a bump because she was unwed. So on June 15th, 1906, she took a leave from her job and went back home to her parents and was just kind of hidden away because she didn't want to sully their good name by having like a heathen of a daughter So she literally just, like, stayed inside. Do we know if her family knew? Like, did her parents know while she was there? Or do we know that? I don't know. Mm -mm. But I feel like she stayed there quite a bit. Yeah, they probably did. But, you know, sometimes they, even when they go off to have the baby, those people still don't even know. That's true. I guess she was really only there for a month. So they might not have known. But... Grace never stopped loving Chester and having this hope for the future. So she would write letters on the daily to Chester. But Chester said he needed space and time to think about everything. Like it's all moving too fast. Of course he did. And of course it was. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's living his life like it's golden. But some of Grace's friends at the factory wrote and was like, yeah, he needed that space so he could spend it with Harriet. Yeah, because he found his cash cow. Mm-hmm. So Grace wrote Chester again, telling him that she was going to come back and make their love public. And, you know, like, her status as a dignified woman, be damned. Like, she was in love. She didn't care. Like, let's get married. She wanted them to be a family. It's never going to happen. So Chester wrote back and was like, oh, yeah, great idea. But what we'll do is we'll go on a little vacay before this. Just you and me. So on July 9th, 1906, and this was after he spent the 4th of July with Harriet and her family, Chester and Grace met up for their little romantic rendezvous. 
Now, Chester framed this as a pre-honeymoon. You know, just like, we're going to get together because we might not be able to get to go outside, like, after because you might be too far along, you know, all of that. But, like, we can talk about everything now. Get everything squared away. So they did a little road trip in and arrived at their hotel slash lodge on July 11th. Now, this was not the Covewood Lodge at the time, but it's on the same property on Big Moose Lake. It just, Covewood Lodge didn't exist. It was this other lodge. Now, Chester had set up a sweet little date for them by renting a rowboat from Robert Morrison. Now, they were supposed to return this boat by dinner time, but they didn't. And Robert was like, something sus is going on, but also they're kids, they're in love, time got away from them, like they might just be laying out underneath the stars and, you know, doing all the things. If the boats are rocking, don't come a knocking. And so Robert was like, I'll just see y'all in the morning. So next morning, Robert gets up and he, it's like, fuck, I think I need help to like, I don't know what I'm going to find. So he got a little search party together just in case something bad had happened. And they found the rowboat had capsized. And then they found Grace's body not too far from the boat. But Chester was nowhere to be seen. However, the police were policing and they located Chester two days later at another hotel. And do you know what he said? Oh, my God. He didn't know who she was. Yes. Grace, don't know her. Never heard of her. Uh-huh. And they were like, yeah, you do, boy. Stop playing. And he was like, oh, Grace. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, Grace. Um, You know, it was just terrible what she did. I didn't know that was the Grace you were talking about, but she threw herself overboard when I told her we had to end our relationship. I tried to save her, but I ended up having to save myself. You know, like cue hand to forehead. All of that. Yeah, I'm sure you did, Sonny. But here's what happened. This is so weird. So, like, they got the rowboat, and then Chester was like, oh, hold on. Let me go back to the room for something. Comes back with, like, a little suitcase and a tennis racket. And I don't know. I mean, I would have been like, that's weird, but, like, you're rich, so okay. Maybe (laughs) you're going to do something. I don't fucking know. And honestly, like, it's weird. And us listening to this, we're like, the fuck? However, Grace was really thinking that he's going to propose to her out there or something. So it's like, oh, he's got something set up, you know, yeah. like, okay, sure. Like that might not even be a tennis racket in the thing. It might be something else or it might have a note on it or whatever. Meanwhile, it wasn't. It was a fucking like Tommy gun. Not really, <laughs> but you know what I mean? No, it was a tennis racket. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like in the case and she's yeah, like, for sure. it's a bouquet of flowers or, you know. Yeah. And he's like, say hello to my little friend. Or it's like, oh, it's a violin. It's not... <laughs> So when they rode out to a place that was quiet and secluded, Chester did not play a violin. He struck Grace with the tennis racket and then pushed her off the rowboat. He knew Grace couldn't swim, so he just stayed there and watched (gasps) until she drowned. Like, until he knew there's no way that she could save herself. And then he, some say, rowed back to shore hopped out and everything, and then pushed the boat back. But if they had to be far enough that it was more secluded, I think that he jumped off, swam back, because he had it in the suitcase, changed his clothes, because he was seen walking. Yeah. And no one was 
the wiser on that. And he buried the tennis racket. Why did he have this tennis racket? I don't know. Probably because he was like, I got to use something. Oh, a tennis racket. That'll do it. (laughs) Like, I don't know. That's the weirdest shit. I mean, he got the job because he was a nephew, not because he was smart. Yeah, true. So when Grace's autopsy was completed, they said that there were dark discolorations and abrasions on her face. Her lips were swollen and the tip of her nose appeared to be flattened. One of her teeth was loose as well. And just a lot of bruises and damage that was before death because the blood had clotted and all of that. And they also found the oars, and they had some brown hair on them, too. So, Oh, my gosh. So he beat her. He beat her. I think he hit her with the tennis racket, knocked her kind of like over, you know what I mean? Like where she's like unsteady, but uh, the tennis racket wasn't going to do the thing. And so when she was pushed into the water, I think he then hit her with the paddles. But on November 12th, 1906, Chester stood trial for the murder of Grace Brown. Now, for some reason, Chester had kept all of Grace's letters that she had sent to him, you know, like on the daily. And this isn't the notebook, though. Right. And even though he didn't always write back, but I think he just kind of reveled in the power he had over her. Absolutely. And so that was his little, like, reminder. Anyway, so they read a few of the letters, and everyone in the courtroom was tearing up, and they said, everyone but Chester. And like one of the letters just said, I'm so blue. Oh, dear. If you were only here and would kiss me and tell me not to worry anymore, I will try so hard to please you, darling. If you will only write and tell me that you'll surely come Saturday and not to worry. I'm crying so hard. I can't even see the lines. You will never know, dear, how badly I feel, how much I want you this minute. Not going into all the court proceedings, but just know on December 5th, 1906, after nearly five hours of deliberation, the jury found him guilty of murder in the first degree. He was sentenced to death by the electric chair. Now, Chester was transferred from the Herkimer County Jail to the Auburn Prison And he was executed March 30th, 1908. Damn. Now, Grace isn't the only ghost who has been seen, though. Chester, after he was executed, inmates and officers said that they saw a man who was walking around with something in his hand. And they said it did resemble a tennis racket. And that made me laugh. Not That made me laugh so hard. (laughs) I mean, bro, get over this tennis racket. (laughs) But they would see this person and then he would just vanish. That tennis racket is like, why are you obsessed with me? (laughs) They would also hear screams coming from the cell that Chester had been held in. And people have seen him in his cell as well. But of course, you know, like they'd blink and he'd be gone. Now, others say that they've seen Chester's ghost at the Gillette Skirt Factory, too, walking around. So apparently he has to work in the afterlife as well, Carrie. Well, he deserves it. (laughs) Now, I will say that some people who are close to Grace, they said that they've seen her spirit walking on the farm where she grew up and she appeared happy. So... I hope those are the sightings that are like legit her and she is content and carefree and all the things and she's not tied to that awful crime. 
and, you know, like just out there endlessly roaming. But I don't know. Can ghosts be at multiple locations? That I don't know. But before we discuss that anymore, we got to talk about Care Of. Because this episode is sponsored by Care Of. Y'all have heard me say it before. And Care Of is there to help you with your health and wellness journey to help you have access to personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders that are shipped conveniently to your door every month. And they are high quality too. Yes, and they don't give me that like, you know when you like belch? Yeah, the aftertaste. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have that. We may be in February, but it is never too late to jumpstart your New Year's health routine. And Care Of wants to celebrate you with a personalized experience that will help you feel your youiest. All you have to do is take a short, simple online quiz about your lifestyle, your health goals, and Care Of will give you doctor-backed recommendations. It's that freaking easy. Honestly, Care Of makes taking your vitamins on the go so convenient because they come in individual daily packets and they are perfect for a busy routine or if you're lazy like me because you can just rip them open and pop them in your mouth. Those travel packs don't just make travel easy. It really is perfect, like Donna said, if you are on the go. And they come with your name on them. So if you need to throw you and your partners in a bag at the same time, well, you know whose is whose. Because by taking that quiz, that's how they design your program for you. So what your partner has is going to be different than what you have. And you can always retake the quiz and you can update what care of sends you because we all know that like life changes throughout the year and that's okay care of's with you while it changes i am trying to be better with my self care and i will say nothing makes me more like frustrated than going to a pharmacy and not understanding what's in the bottles what i need to take what's mm-hmm. going to like really help me But that's where Care Up comes in, and it takes the guesswork out of it for you. And that's just one less roadblock on your journey to the healthiest you. With the vitamins and supplements, too, there's so many different versions of the same one. So, like, let's say you need vitamin D. Well, there's D3, D743. I don't know how many there are. (laughs) And then there's about 14 different milligrams of each. So it's like, Which one do I need? Well, with Care Of, just like Donna said, they're going to take the guesswork out of that because you're going to get those doctor-backed recommendations. So right now, head on over to TakeCareOf.com and enter code CREEP50 for 50% off your first month's subscription. Again, that is TakeCareOf.com and enter code CREEP50 for 50% off your first month's subscription. And again, did we mention that it comes straight to your door? Oh my God, the best part. You don't have to go anywhere other than TakeCareOf.com and enter code CREEP50 for 50% off your first month's subscription. So I don't know if ghosts can be in different places, but I really hope that he is just working his little ghost fingers to the bone at his uncle's place on a damn loop for the rest of eternity. Right. Like, did he really think he was going to get away with that? Yes. Because it would be one thing if he pushed her overboard 
and even kind of like held her under. Right. And was like, she fell out. I tried to get her. She got caught up in the weeds, blah, blah, blah. Like, pedal back to shore. Help. Right. Don't kill people and use our plans. (laughs) But for you to like literally leave the scene, go to another hotel and be like, Grace who? Right. Like literally going to be like, I don't know her. Like, like the Mariah Carey meme. I don't know her. But then to be like, okay, so what had happened was, and then it's like this huge thing that y'all had a relationship and you ended it, but you didn't know her name? Yeah, that's, you already lied. They ain't gonna believe anything you say. Yes. Ugh. But I couldn't tell you about his ghost without giving away what had happened to yeah. him. So it was like, well, I kind of bookended it with the ghost. Yeah. I just feel so sorry for Grace, too, because... That's what's so hard with relationships when you're just dating and especially us with dating, because if a man would give us breadcrumbs, we would be like, well, maybe he's just busy. Well, maybe he did it up. Well, maybe da-da-da-da-da. You know, like we could come up with a reason for literally every move that they make. Yes. And I tell you, one thing I have learned from Colby, if he wanted to, he would. Yeah. If you wanted to, you would. And if you're not... You don't want to. Exactly. And that's okay. It's okay to not want to. But expect better from the people that you're giving your time and affection and love to. You yeah. Know? A part of yourself, too. Because you deserve it. And you don't deserve to be treated the way that Grace was. No. And if your situationship walks around with a tennis racket the whole time, something's not right, okay? Unless you are at a country club. Yeah. And posing for a damn picture for the poster. Put your goddamn racket down. Why are you just holding it? (laughs) Your hand better not be on that racket, okay? You be on my rack, but not the racket. God, that was a good one, Donna. I was going for something else, like another stick. But that was a good one. Thank you. My story this week, y'all know how, again, I always start my stories with this. You know how I go to sleep, watch a true crime things, blah, blah, blah. So I've been on Discovery Plus because I like that it stays on until my TV goes to sleep because my Hulu will like be like, are you still watching? And it'll turn off when my TV's still on and that annoys me. So been watching Discovery Plus, just kind of jumping around from different shows because I've seen every Polizon that ever existed in life 14 times. Although she is my go-to when I got a migraine because I like a little noise. Anyway, so the other night... I went to sleep watching this show called Death by Fame. And the first episode of the first season had me awake with my eyes closed, listening to every damn word. Colby's watching his current hyperfixation, which is hunting. We went from golf to hunting. He's watching his videos with the like, like little calls and stuff. I'm like, can you turn that down? I got to listen to this show. This was also on an episode of 48 Hours. So this is the story of Amy Harwick. So Amy was born in May of 1981. She grew up in Pennsylvania, went to high school, graduated in 99. And in 2001, she moved to LA. She worked her way through college. She worked as like a bartender, like go-go dancer. She even was in Playboy. And she got her undergraduate degree at the California Polytechnic State University She got her master's in clinical psychology from Pepperdine University. And then she went to this school called the Institute for Advanced Studies of Human Sexuality. So it's not like an accredited university, but 
she got a doctorate. I'm not really sure if it's a PhD because it, it's not an accredited university. But nonetheless, she got some form of a doctorate and would always be called like Dr. Amy on things. So her doctorate was in human sexuality. And she really liked to do a lot of work and research on people with traumas related to like sexual exploitation. And she had a book called The New Sex Bible for Women. And that came out in 2014. And part of this book was in a lot of different magazines and all. Like she became a very well-known therapist specializing in family and sex counseling in Hollywood. She had like a YouTube channel. She did podcasts and TV and all the things. But also she was a model, still working as a model and a photographer. And she just had all of these amazing hobbies where she would do dancing with like fire batons and like stick the fire in her mouth and stuff. She's just like this beautiful woman that exuded just sexual sex, you know, but like also she was the whole package. She was also very smart and she was kind and I feel like rooted for the underdog because one of her online networking groups was called Foxy Feminist and that was to help women in LA find jobs, all the things. And she worked really hard with women who had been like sex workers and unhoused and all the things. She really is the full package. That's what I'm saying. Like she, she absolutely is. She was a creepster though. Like in the best way. She was really into like horror movies. She would collect like taxidermy pieces and stuff. She just was into the macabre. It said that she like dated Marilyn Manson. Like she just liked more gothic, macabre, occultish type things. Yeah, I was going to say peculiar. Yeah. She also dated Dave Navarro, who I'm sure you love from Ink Masters. Or did you love him on that? I didn't love him on that, honestly. Okay. I mean, he was the host, but yeah. Now, I wonder if this was before or after him and Carmen Electra. Maybe after. This was like 2008, 2009. I honestly don't know, but I just remember they had their little MTV special and yeah. stuff. So given that she was essentially a sex and relationship therapist to the stars, people were aware of who she was dating and all the things. And again, she dated big name people. She dated Dave Navarro. It was linked to Marilyn Manson. And then she dated a guy in the early 2010s named Gareth Pursehouse. Now, this relationship was not good. And it had a lot of abuse in it. One thing, though, his name just sounds rich. Like, yeah. So he was actually a photographer and a software engineer. And there's some writings that I actually got this from the 48 Hours transcript that Amy said that Gareth forced her to the ground, covered her mouth to keep her from yelling, and would physically assault her. He choked her. He would suffocate her slam her into walls, slam her head into the ground, and then punch her with a closed fist. Sidebar, why does everybody always say punch you with a closed fist? How do you punch somebody with an open fist? Wouldn't that be a slap? That would be a slap. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I never understood that, but it does give it more like oomph to the, yes. to the statement, you know? Like, you really feel the full force. Yes. 
So Amy, knowing what she knows about relationships, she knows how toxic and unsafe this is for her. So she finally ends the relationship in 2012. Now, Gareth did not handle that end and that breakup very well at all. Amy ended up having to take two restraining orders out on Gareth. About four years after the breakup, somebody broke into her house. They stole photo albums and completely wiped her computer clean. Like, Windows wasn't even on the computer. Not just like, oh, let me delete all your files. No, like, wiped it clean. And remember, he was a software engineer. I'm like, okay, I mean, if you're going to leave some breadcrumbs, you are like Hansel and Gretel for sure. Well, because who else is going to do that? Right. And I feel like some of the people in her life, one of her friends who, interestingly enough, his name was Grace, on the 48 hours was like, it kind of seemed ridiculous to her that she was like, no, like, I know this is him. And they're like, it's been four years. Like, surely he's moved on by now. But people who are in relationships in which they've been abused in any way, emotionally, physically, mentally, financially, any of that, when that person comes back around, they know it. They feel it in their bones. Yes. They know when they get a missed call from an unknown number, they know it's them. And you can't explain it. It's just an intuition that comes with being in those situations. And when you've never been in it, it's hard to know. How do they know? It's because they know. They've lived it. They know their patterns. They know them. They have lived so long in these terrible situations that they have learned how to navigate in a way that stops them from exploding, from abusing them and all of that. So when they see these triggers happening and then they get a missed call from an unknown number, they know it's them. So they may not be able to explain it to you, but it's because they have lived there the last ever so many years playing this game and this dance to keep them from exploding. So listen to victims. But I'm not blaming her friends by any means because they didn't know. They just, they only knew what they knew. And there was a lot more, like she was getting some really bad comments online for years and she just knew it was Gareth she just freaking knew and there was like messages that had been sent to her friends that were to just like blow up her friendships and then there were some nude pictures that had been sent to jobs for her to like try to destroy her career and all these things but I feel like she's very open obviously with her sexuality like she was in Playboy she still worked, you know, some, I think, as a, even a go-go dancer. I know she did when she was in college. Like, she's not trying to pretend like she's all buttoned up. You know, she's very open with this. I, I don't know. But it's also like, if someone did that, you're like, is this person even worth all this drama that they're going to bring? Oh, absolutely. In? Yeah, oh, it, it definitely did damage. I'm not saying that, but it's like, I don't know. But eventually, things kind of died off with Gareth, and he seemed to have moved on. And so did Amy. And then insert her new relationship that I think a lot of people actually know her for. But she started dating Drew Carey. Oh. Right. So if you don't know Drew Carey, a stand-up comedian, he had a the Drew Carey show, cleverly named. He had Whose Line Is It Anyway? And then right now he is the host of the Price is Right. Now, they had a pretty big age gap. When they started dating, he was like 59, I think, and she was like 36. So people really came hard for them because they called her a gold digger and all the things. And 
she really, it seemed like had to, because there's like lots of recordings of her talking about stuff. And she's like, I am my own person. And she talked about like an event where they went to and they thought like, basically he was the keynote speaker. And she was like, no, it's me. Like on the red carpet, they're like, oh, Drew, 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 you know, and it's like, bitch, I'm the keynote speaker. Like I have my own credentials. I have my own, you know, she's a licensed therapist and, you know, all these things. And it's like, give this girl some credit for what she is building. She's an author. She's has research, you know, she's got all these things. So like, let's give this girl credit where credit is due. She's not just chasing Drew Carey for money and clout and all the things. And Drew Carey is like, man, I fell super hard for her. But they did have some issues in their relationship. And a lot of it was linked to what was happening online. They were getting the comments about the age gap. They were getting comments about her being a gold digger, all of those things. And she really had a hard time with it. But Drew, we call him Drew, he was like, Amy gave me complete and unconditional love. In the 48 hours, he opens up about how he has a lot of body issues around the way he looks. And that with her, he was able to like take his shirt off around her and not care. And she loved him and she thought he was sexy and hot and all these things. And so they did have a true relationship. And in 2017, they got engaged. But it would only be a year after that that they actually broke up. I think that Drew Carey doesn't really go into a lot of it. But the issues with all of the unwanted attention every time they left the house and all of that, it really seemed to pile up with maybe some other things that, you know, that go on behind closed doors that we didn't, we don't necessarily know about. They did eventually break up. Now, while they were together, Amy did tell Drew that she felt like some of the negative stuff that was happening online was Gareth. She was getting some comments on websites that reviewed doctors and that sort of thing. And she's like, I'm really scared he's going to ruin her reputation as a licensed therapist. Like, this isn't just fun and games. Like, she's actually a licensed therapist. Now, it had been years since Amy had actually seen Gareth, but she just always felt like that seemed like there was this churning of him in the background. Well, on January 16th of 2020, Amy was at a red carpet event and she's doing her thing. It's like a, an adult film industry gala. And when she recognizes a photographer there, the photographer is Gareth. Now, this is a fucking disaster. When he sees her, he loses it. He is yelling, telling her that she ruined his life. He's, from memory, telling her text messages that she had sent him back in 2012. Like, has these memorized. Literally hunkers down in the fetal position in front of these hundreds of people. It is a disaster. He's screaming, sobbing. So Amy ends up spending like 45 minutes with him, kind of goes into therapist mode, like, it's okay. You can move on with your life now. You know, she wasn't confrontational. She was in therapist mode trying to console this man that's literally crumbling before her and holding all of this against her. But it really bothered her. Like this interaction made her incredibly nervous. She was okay while she was with him, held it together. But when she left, she started buying pepper spray to keep in every room in her house. She made her friend 
like share her location with a friend, I guess I should say, so that they knew where she was at all time. And she was like, look, if anything happens to me, it's Gareth. She even called her parents and told them, look, if I die, I want an open casket. I want like super elaborate headstone, like gave them very specific wishes. And all of that part came from the 48 hours. I feel like because she knew he was actively like doing shit in the background, like she said, but it's one thing when he then comes face to face with her. Right. And everything, like, it's not like he's online shopping at Amazon and then being like, oh, let me just go fuck with her real quick. Right. This is, no, she's right there. She's tangible right, right now. And so I completely understand why she went into this mode. So on Valentine's Day of 2020, Amy goes to breakfast with some friends. She had gone on a hike that morning. And that night, she and some friends went to a burlesque show. They had an amazing time. Kind of an aside here. So Amy lived in what I picture is a three-story house. Her bedroom was on the top and she had a roommate. But then some stuff would be like her condo on the third floor. But then it'll be like some stuff would say her roommate who lived in the apartment below her. So I don't know if it was like multiple apartments or if it was like a townhouse. But I'm picturing townhouse. So while she's out at the burlesque show, her roommate was asleep on the first floor. Now, he heard what he thought was like a plate smashing. And he was like, oh, Amy must be home and like, you know, drunk or something, drop something. I don't even know if she drank, but you know what I mean. And so he just fell asleep. Well, for you, that would literally just be like walking in a straight line. Look, when I do my weekly infusions, I can't bend over because it'll like push the needle out a little bit and it'll make my medicine leak. So I can't bend over. So anything that gets dropped in that like, three, four hours while I'm doing my infusion, Colby has to pick up. And let me just tell y'all, you never realize how many things you drop until somebody else has to pick them up for you. And he's like, why do you drop everything? It's so bad. At about midnight, they leave the burlesque show. They didn't really do the after party. They were like, we're going to go home. And at 102, Amy is like walking into her house and texts one of her friends to be like, hey, send me a picture of the couch that you just bought. Like, everything's cool. She's going home. Well, as soon as Amy gets up to her room, someone attacks her. Now, her roommate hears, like, a scuffle. He hears things like somebody falling onto the floor. And then he hears Amy's, like, muffled screams. So he is panicky. He's like, at first he thinks like, if I just yell at the stairs, I can get like whoever this intruder is to leave because they realize somebody else is here and that didn't work and he cannot find his phone. And so he's frantic, runs outside, jumps a fence, like cuts himself trying to jump this fence so he can go get somebody to call 911 because he can't find his phone. And I wonder if like he really just misplaced it or I wonder if the intruder hit it. That's like purely conjecture of... Like, right now, that just dawned on me. Yeah. That's what sucks about us only having cell phones yes. and stuff. Because, yeah, no one has a house phone that, like, oh, I can't find my cell phone. Let me just go to the house phone and, right. you know, do that. No. So he jumps the fence, goes to a neighbor's house, knocks on the door. Nobody fucking answers. So goes to another house, knocks on the door. Nobody fucking answers. 
Eventually, he literally sees somebody walking down the street and is like, stop, calls the police at 114. She had texted her roommate at 102, and then at like 114, he calls police. So that just kind of gives you an idea of how quick it is. Like a lot of things I saw said it was six minutes from the time that basically the attack started until the end. Now, when police get there, they find Amy laying on the ground in the courtyard because she had been thrown from her bedroom balcony. Are you fucking kidding me? But she was alive. (gasps) They saw that she had really deep marks on her neck that she was strangled, but she was alive. So they rush her to see her Sinai, and as soon as she gets there, she is pronounced dead at 3.26 a.m. But Amy fucking fought in that bedroom. So when police are looking around to figure out what the hell happened, they find a trail of like rosary beads from the necklace that she had worn that night, like being ripped off of her. But the trail kind of showed them the path of the battle, you know, of Amy fighting for her life. They also found a syringe that was filled with liquid. Now, Amy did not do drugs. Some say she didn't even drink or smoke. So, like, this was not hers. And the syringe was filled with nicotine. Now, nicotine injected into your veins can kill you in minutes. What? Yeah, like pure nicotine, like in liquid form, inject it and it will kill you. I never knew that. Yes. And you smoked for all those years? But that's, I mean, yes, that will kill you too. Don't, you know... Any form of nicotine eventually will kill you. But that's such small doses of how it enters your body. It won't kill you like... Hey, uh, like here's a, this really like dangerous thing, but we're going to put it in these this form and you do it. Well, shit, anything in high doses like that... Can, I mean, the Tylenol you take for your headache in high doses is toxic for you. I'm not saying go smoke a cigarette, but if you... I mean. It's no, you're I'm comparing saying, apples to oranges. Yeah, no, I'm just saying I never knew that it was like, yeah, that was something that would kill you instantly from like being minutes. injected. Yeah, yeah, minutes. had no fucking clue. Yeah, but I mean, you eat enough apple seeds and that'll kill you too. So, did you know that like the pits of like most fruit mm-hmm. are what arsenic? How'd you know? Because <laughs> I've literally told you that before oh. about apple seeds. Never mind. Okay. If y'all could have seen her face with with what? <laughs> God, if y'all could have seen the smirk on her face. So the police bring in the roommate and her best friend, and they're like, what the fuck? Who did this? And they, everybody immediately says, Gareth Pursehouse. Now, the police start doing some digging and see their history with domestic violence and the restraining orders. And then they found out that They had recently run into each other, which we know with domestic violence situations, there's always that one catalyst, which could literally be anything. But in this case, him seeing her after eight years was the catalyst. So the detectives go to Gareth's house and charge him with Amy's murder because in his house, they found another syringe that was just like the one at Amy's house with nicotine gareth pleads not guilty now at the you know how they do the preliminary hearing where they're like here's all of our evidence is this good enough to go to trial 
Now, at the preliminary hearing, Garrett's attorneys were like, he didn't kill Amy. Like, they didn't basically deny that he was there, but they were like, she could have just fallen from that balcony and it all been an accident. What? And it's like, no, she fucking didn't. Because Garrett's DNA was literally on the French doors and the syringe, like, he didn't just go there to talk. He came with a syringe filled with nicotine to kill her. Yeah, and then the on her neck. Right, and, you know, the whole she was strangled bit. So Gareth Pursthouse was convicted at a jury trial and was sentenced to life in prison without parole. So before we talk any more about this story, we got to talk about Factor. And y'all, let me just tell y'all, my boss used our code to get him some Factor meals. And when I tell y'all, Factor needs to hire him to do their ads because he has not stopped talking about how freaking good these Factor meals are. And I'm like, I'm with you. (laughs) I know. I eat them. I know. I'm like, yeah, I know. So what is Factor? Factor is delicious, ready-to-eat meals that make eating better every day super easy. These meals are made in the microwave in just two minutes. They are never frozen. And look, when Factor says that it is restaurant-quality meals, they are not lying. Because when I tell you, my boss was like, this is better than anything I've ever had in a restaurant. (laughs) He literally said those words. So if you have been on the fence about Factor and the quality, it is so yummy. When I had my first Factor meal, I was like, okay, this is good. Yeah, I absolutely love them. And like you said, they're fast. So if you're on the go, if you only have a, you know, 30 minute lunch, that's okay. It's perfect for that. Right? Because every other week I get a 30 minute lunch instead of an hour because I get off early on those Fridays. And the factor meals are perfect for those days because that way I can heat my meal up in two minutes, eat it in two minutes because y'all know I eat that fast and then TikTok my life away the rest of my lunch. (laughs) Now there's a lot of different options. You can have snacks, smoothies, you know, and there's a lot of different options for your taste buds. Right. And you can do calorie smart. You can do veggie. You can do vegan. You can do whatever meal fits your dietary needs, too. There are over 35 different options a week to choose from. And I will say that normally I am someone who has to put lots of season on everything, like you know, I'm going to salt something before I taste it. I'm going to put pepper on it before I taste it. Not with factor meals. It doesn't need it. You're so right. Like whenever I got my first factor meal, I can't remember what it was. I think it was like a beef and Yeah, it was a beef and, yeah, it was a beef and peppers. So freaking good. I was like, this is probably not going to be that great. And then I opened, I was like, oh my God, it came with veggies too. And I was like, "Mm, are these veggies going to be good? It was green beans. They are so good. And so was that beef and peppers like the whole thing like I was so surprised on how yummy it was because you think okay green beans or broccoli in a ready meal that takes two minutes in the microwave those are gonna be terrible no they're not they have like a little dollop of butter with you can tell it has different herbs and stuff in it that melts into it they are perfectly seasoned and like cooked down Mm -hmm. to be tender enough. Everything is just such good quality. I was so surprised in how 
good the taste is. But like Donna said, it's so much more. There's snacks, they have the smoothies, they have all the things, whether you want breakfast, midday snacks, or meals. And look, the math is math and on this because Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And with Factor, you can get as much or as little. You can do six meals a week. You can do all dang 18 meals if you want to. And you can pause and reschedule your deliveries at any time. What I love about it, no prep, no mess. They are 100% ready to heat and eat. And we love to eat and Donna loves a rhyme. So, I mean, it's just hitting on all cylinders. (laughs) It really is. So right now, head on over to factormeals.com slash creep50 and use the promo code creep50 to get 50% off your order. That's creep50 at factormeals.com slash creep50 to get 50% off. Y'all heard us say 50 about 14 times in that because, well, you're going to get 50% off. If you head on over to factormeals.com slash creep50 and use promo code creep50. I just don't understand why Gareth thinks that we're all so stupid to be like, yeah, I mean, I went over there, but I was just like going to talk and then she fell off her balcony, but she also got all these weird bruises before she fell off. Yeah, my DNA's there. Oh, and (laughs) I brought a syringe. But did he have a tennis racket because he seems like he's the same as Chester where it's like, that's what you're going with. Like the syringe was his tennis racket. I think because honestly, yeah, he had it at the house. Now I do want to say that yes, while he's been convicted of murdering Amy, all of the stuff from the abuse is technically allegedly because we don't know for sure, but she did have restraining orders on him. And I feel like you got to have your shit together. And she really did on, her documentation of it. But it was almost like once she saw him at that gala, it was like she knew that was going to be the catalyst for him. And she knew something bad was going to happen because not only had she texted her parents and all of that, she and Drew Carey had both moved on from their breakup, but they both really still loved each other. And she had even reached out to him and said like, hey, I, I really want to get us to get together And he was like, yeah, absolutely. I love that. You know, I think they even said, I love you. Like they still cared for one another and very deeply. And so it was like she was reaching out to people because it was like she knew her end was coming. Yeah, because you have to keep living your life because she couldn't have just been like, okay, I'm going to move. I'm going to do this. I'm going to he's going to find her. I mean, he's been allegedly stalking her for eight years. But what's hard is it's that level of stalking that you can't prove. Yes. It is enough to make you scared, vulnerable, and all the things. Mm -hmm. But it's not enough to take to police to be like, this is what he's doing. Because how do you prove it? He's a fucking software engineer. Right. You think he's not going to be able to hide his fucking IP address? Right. It's enough to make you look paranoid. Absolutely. And so everyone's like, get a grip. Move on. He's Your relationship ended seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, just one more year, and he sees her and murders her, you know? Brutally. Gosh, okay, so it's like Valentine's season, and we both did terrible stories about terrible relationships. Well, tis the season. 
I will say, Colby finally asked me to be his damn Valentine. <laughs> I love all the TikToks. They're like, if your husband hasn't asked you to be his Valentine's yet, start a fight. <laughs> that one TikTok girl makes me giggle because she's just kidding. I mean, you're not actually starting a fight, but it just made me laugh. Like, she'll be like, ask your husband. Oh, the one about to name a girl. Uh-huh. And then they're like, if he doesn't say you, start a fight. <laughs> but he sent me this cute little video that was like, all the different Disney things of... This is how she found me. This is how I look at her. This is how she makes me feel. And it's like different. This is how I can act around her. And it's like goofy, you know, Aww. stuff like that. And at the end, it showed the rose from Beauty and the Beast. It was like, will you be my Valentine? Aww. No, no. He gets credit for somebody else's TikTok, but it was sweet. <laughs> that really is your love language, though. 1,000%. <laughs> and it's Disney movies, which is... My other love language. Mm. Not a Disney park. I am not schlepping up and down 20,000 steps a day. No, thank you. <laughs> Having to plan out my whole day if I got to go this route, then this route, then this route, or I'm going to wait. No. Mm-mm. That does give me, like, nervous belly. Yes. And and you know I'm not going to be able to do anything about my nervous belly because I ain't got a bidet. <laughs> well, thank y'all so much for listening and supporting us. Don't forget to check out Patreon if you can. And look, we understand that not everybody can afford Patreon. But if you can't, there are so many different ways to support us. Word of mouth, like, subscribing, reviewing, all the things, and remember, creep it real and don't get scared.